Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. Because looking through our prophecy book that God has called us to minister outside of the church. And he's called this place to be a place known for healing. And so for us to be a place known for healing, we have to know how those things function. And everybody in this room should be able to go out and lay hands on the sick or cast out demons. Amen? Amen. So we're going to look at this and God's going to, you know, the great thing about the word of God, that the word is always active, it's always alive. And so when God ministers the word, he wants to perform it. You know, he doesn't just want to talk about this, but he wants to perform it. Amen? Amen. So we're going to look at Ecclesiastes 4.14. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 14. Going into the Old Testament. Amen? And then Yes, and it's bringing it over to the New Testament, amen? So Ecclesiastes 4, verse 14. And this is going to be the King James Version. Amen. And this, um, a lot of the things, the scriptures from what we're going to cover tonight is from Dr. Jacob's Deliverance book. So I encourage anyone to get this, this nice book, because it keeps you, um, it's a great study tool. And then it's a great tool to even see how to yourself stay free. And that's the great thing about what we're going to teach tonight. It's for us to stay free, but then also if we come across someone that needs our help, that we know what scriptures to give them, we know how to minister that back out. Amen? So Ecclesiastes 4.14, it says, For out of prison he cometh to reign, whereas also he that is born in his kingdom becometh poor. And so this scripture is talking about Jesus, that out of prison he cometh to reign. And that prison is hell. You know, Jesus took our place in hell and he came out to reign. And when Jesus came out, it said that Jesus overall was made visible to destroy the works of the enemy. Amen. And so when he took our place in hell, it was so that we wouldn't have to go down in ourselves and that we on earth get to reap the benefits of his freedom. That when he came out of hell, he came out free. He came out healed and he was able to ascend and take his throne and take his place in heaven. And so that latter part, it says, we're also he that is born in his kingdom becometh poor. Jesus was not poor on the earth. That scripture is talking about, first of all, him, you know, it's a two part to that. First, him coming down into the earth, it said that he released himself of his deity, you know? So basically, of course, coming from heaven to earth, that's a, kind of a downgrade, you know? <laughs> so it's talking about how him coming down here, he did it for us. It said he humbled himself and took our place on the cross. And then even when he took, the second part is when he took our place on the cross, that's where Jesus became poor. Jesus was not poor in the earth. The Bible talks about how he had a house by the sea. He had money. He was feeding thousands. So Jesus was not poor, and he doesn't want us to be poor. But that latter part is talking about even in the spiritual realm that he became poor. He took on our spiritual poverty that we might be rich. Amen? And so now let's look at Mark 16, 17 through 18. Mark 16, 17 through 18. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so we have a, a great Lord and Savior. He wants us to reign. He didn't just come out reigning just for himself to reign, but he came out so that we will reign with him. And so it's also, it's always great when you're, you're studying deliverance to study from the side of your victory, to study from the side of where you are seated in heavenly places. Never study deliverance from the demonic side or from the scary, you know, because there's a lot of scary movies out there. Um, and there's a lot of um, even like documentaries on, you know, demonic things. And you never want to study from that end because you start to miss out on your authority and where you're seated. Yeah. 
and then you start to get scared. Oh my gosh, what if somebody levitates? And you start, you know, doing a lot of what ifs. Um, and we don't need to learn from that perspective. We need to learn from the word of God. So it's always great to know that Jesus is our big brother and that Jesus is always representing who we are to be in this earth. So Matthew 6, 17 through 18. And it says, and these signs shall follow them. Who is them? Yes, it is the church. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And so we see right here that it's talking about the signs that follow us, those that believe. And these are common signs, and these are really elementary signs that shall follow believers. And he's saying that they shall cast out devils. That's something that every believer should be able to do. And that's something every believer should be able to identify you know, even discerning spirits. We should all be able to discern that among us, you know, in the, I mean, not just here, I'm talking about like, among, we should all have that gift among us <laughs> and be able to discern that, you know, on our daily life, every day we come across people because, um, you know, every day you all go out, you're coming across somebody that needs help. And I know Dr. Jacobs has always preached that in this day and time, mental illness is on a rise like never before. You know, even looking at the statistics about mental illness, even after COVID, they said it's even come up higher. Because really mental illness, one of the roots of mental illness is fear. And so where there's fear, there's always going to be some type of perverted thinking. Because fear always makes you think perverted. It doesn't make you think from a place of authority. It doesn't make you think from a place of peace or security. It makes you think in a ill way. And so we have to realize that our, this generation needs a church that knows how to lay hands on the sick. This generation needs a church that knows how to cast out devils. Because once again, you know, also through looking at the prophecies about this generation, that God has over and over spoken through his men and women that there's a move of God on right now. But also with the move of God, there's always going to be a hindrance. Anytime that God moves, the devil's never just going to sit back and you know, good job, church. No, he's going to try to come and oppose it. And that's why we have the scripture that the gates of hell shall not prevail. God knew that in every generation that he wants to move in, that there's always going to be an attack to hinder that. But we have the victory. And that's why he said, you know, the gates of hell shall not prevail. That scripture is talking about that the church is always going to be constantly making moves and the gates of hell can do nothing about it. You know, there is a mighty move of God on right now. and We're a part of it. And it takes the church to perceive that. And then also to perceive when there's hindrances, because sometimes we can get used to um, bad news and we can get used to things coming at us and just think that's the way of life. No, that's an attack. And you don't have to be out of the will of God for things to come against you because you have to be able to discern that, too, because sometimes you can think maybe I'm doing something wrong is why I'm having these problems or why, you know, I'm always there's always something. No, anytime you're in the will of God and you're making movements towards and progressing in the kingdom, once again, the devil's always going to try to make sure he pushes you back and limits you on how you can be used by God. Because we can see that with Jesus, you know, through his travel ministry, where you look at, you know, in some of the back of some Bibles, they show the map of where all Jesus traveled. And you can see any place he went, there was always some type of hindrance. There was always some type of persecution. So we all have to be ready for that, too. People are not going to pat you on the back for casting out demons. <laughs> They're not going to pat you on the back for healing the sick. So we all have to be ready for that. And, and you, know, you know, this gospel is for the strong man. And so none of us, we, to minister this, we can't be touchy um, about they didn't receive me. 
or they, you know, people didn't, you know, my family didn't, they didn't like that I did this. Or It doesn't matter about your family members. It doesn't matter about your friends. It doesn't matter about what the world thinks. We have to rise up and be the church. And we have to stand for what our Father has delivered us into. Amen? And so looking at the scripture, once again, he's saying that we shall cast out demons. In Matthew 4, 23 through 24, you can write that down. It talks about how Jesus went about healing all manner of sickness and disease. And once again, we have to think, you know, I want to talk more in terms tonight when it comes to sickness and, and um, demonic activity and the mental, you know, mental realm, mental illness. And so right here we see that he healed all manner of sickness. That sickness also there is referring to mental sickness. He's not just talking about physical hurt and physical pain. He's talking about mental things that Jesus even went about healing all that were sick. And then it talks about how, you know, in that latter, in that verse, it says they brought unto him those that were tormented. And so that's something mental. And he said those possessed with devils, those that were lunatic, that's something mental. And it said he healed them all. He healed them all. So there's not any type of sickness that is beyond the power of God. You know, sometimes we can think of people in our lives and just think like, no, they're too far gone. or <laughs> They're beyond, you know, I don't see them coming out or whatever. But we have to realize that there's no limitations to the power of God. There's nothing impossible to the power of God. But we have to put it in effect through our faith and actions that once we hear these words, we are to immediately go into acting on these words. That's how faith comes. That's how faith continues. Because, you know, in services, we can, and I've experienced that too, you can get convicted about a message and then you can get wound up on the inside and just like, I can't wait to go out there. But when you go home and you don't study these words over and you don't act on them, the Bible says the devil comes immediately to steal those words. So we have to realize that if there's a certain message, and I'm not even just talking about tonight, that any message that has been wound up on the inside of you, we need to act on those messages quickly because the word is active. The word wants to come alive. And that's why you feel that on the inside when you, you hear words and it just feels like fire on the inside of you because those words want to come out in effect everywhere that you touch and everywhere that you go. These words, they're alive, they're quick, they're efficient. So every time we hear the word, they're meant to be put into action, not just to hear, not just to shout amen, but that we actually live these words and go out and live them. Amen? And so I'm just going to read this. This is from his book, um, and it's important. I'll read a little bit from my notes, just of some records, because I think it's so important to understand um, the devices of the enemy and how he works. You know, once again, not studying this from a side of fear, but looking at it from the side of victory, that we have the answer, yeah. that we can see different people with problems, and then we understand who we are in Christ and say, hey, I have the answer for that, that I understand how to help you with that situation if you let me. And so this is what it reads. It says, um, according to um, national mental health, adults living with serious mental issues die 25 years earlier than other Americans. They also have increased risk of chronic medical conditions. We tend to think that hospitals are being filled with people having physical issues alone, but that is not the case. One in four adults experience mental health disorders in a given year. We have more doctors than any time in history. We have more medicine than any time in history. We have more medical training and more understanding of the human body and mind than any time in history. Why are there more sick people now than any more time in history? In our nation alone, there's 40 million people that have been diagnosed with anxiety disorder. Those disorders frequently occur with depression and addiction disorders. 50% of all lifetime cases of mental illness begin at the age of 14. If medicine alone was the answer, we would have already been cured. Amen? 
And so, um, and as he continues to talk, we're not coming against the medicine or the medical industry. They're working against the same problem, but from a different perspective. Um, and for us as a church, we are to address these things in the spiritual realm and get to the root of the problem. Because medicine can only affect and help the symptoms. You know, you have a depressed person, they're going to give the medication that, you know, tweaks with their chemical um, state, and then it, you, it can make them happy, you know, for a moment. But once the dosage of that pill runs out, they're back at the same place. And so medicine, it does help, and it helps for a season, and it can help for a time. But to be completely and truly free, that comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. He said, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And there's no time limit on your freedom. There's no, um, there's no side effects on that freedom. You know, a lot of medication has different side effects. So when somebody is getting treated for um, depression or anxiety, there's also different side effects that come along with that. But with this freedom that God is offering, he's offering wholeness, which means nothing missing and nothing broken. So God wants a generation of, of young people and whatever age, but I, I say young people because even looking at that, they said, even suicide is the, the number four cause of deaths between the ages of 16 and 19. And that was taken in this year. So we see that that's something that's, that's taking place and it's affecting the mind um, of each generation. And so as a church, <laughs> we should hear these things and realize we have the answer. Yeah. We have the keys to loosen, to bind. Yeah. And we know the root of these, these, these mindsets for somebody to take their life, it's a demonic root. And once again, he said our keys are for binding. So there's things that we need to bind wherever we go in the schools, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of things going on in there. Um, and the keys that we have are for binding and for loosing what needs to be loose. Angels need to be loosed more. <laughs> uh, devils need to be bound more. And so we have to realize that we have a part in doing that with our mouth and with the laying of the hands. Amen. And so let's look at Luke 3, 9. Luke chapter 3, verse 9. Luke chapter 3, verse 9. And, you know, one thing I've, I've even noticed as somebody that's on social media is that a lot of mental illnesses are becoming common and normal. You know, there's a lot of posts I see about anxiety, and they post and make memes about it like it's normal and like everybody's supposed to have it. And we, as the children of God, you know, we're not supposed to have anxiety. He said, I didn't give you the spirit of fear, but I gave you the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And so we have to understand as a church what we have been given and what we haven't been given. And so when thoughts of anxiety come, we have to realize that does not belong in my mind. He's told us that we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ doesn't have anxiety. The mind of Christ doesn't have depression. The mind of Christ doesn't have, you know, schizophrenia and eating disorders. The mind of Christ doesn't deal with that. And so we have to put on the mind of Christ and function and act out of that mind and not the mind that's being presented to us in this generation. Because you can see it anywhere, it's, it's in movies, they normalize it. Like we're all supposed to be, you know, and not that we don't all have problems that God has delivered us from, but like he, you can see through the word, God doesn't want to leave us where he has found us. Jesus did not die on the cross to keep us where he found us. And so we can come in with different disorders, but once we meet Jesus, we should leave with more of an image like him. And that's, you know, that's a protecting, you know, we're going to talk about that even later, you know, tonight, just about the image of Christ as we function in the image of Christ and we understand who he is, it protects us from mental illnesses because all mental illness is, is a mind that's not on God. 
it's a mind that's not on God and they don't know how to be like him. They don't know how to function with him. They don't know how to live and receive from him. And that's really the simplicity. The gospel is simple. And we're going to read that tonight. The Bible talks about that a mind that's not stayed on him is going to be open and get open game for any demonic force. And so Luke 3 verse 9, it says, And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not good fruit is hewed down and cast into the fire. And so he's, this scripture right here is showing that we always have to get to the root of the problem. Um, you know, even while, you know, the Bible's all about that, getting to the root of the problem. Even if we're having, you know, problems and it can look like it's in the form of a person, we have to realize that there's always a spirit behind that. Because the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So our problem is never people. It's always the, the spirit influencing people. And so when you pray, we don't pray against people, <laughs> you know, because some people try to go in their prayer room and go at it, and they're not praying any biblical prayer. It's what they feel like. You know, when our prayer is to be used to bring things in or to bind things, and it's in the spiritual realm. And, man, because God, you know, God, it, the Bible talks about that God wishes all men be saved. So God is not trying to punish people. He said he didn't create hell for man. So God is not trying to send men to hell, even though some will choose it. So when our prayer life, it, it shouldn't be, our prayer life shouldn't be from a heart that I'll just send that person to hell, you know, no, or <laughs> punish them, my enemies, or, you know, because um, when the Bible's talking about your enemies, it's not talking about people, you know, but sometimes when people want to buddy up with the spirit, you know, you, you can look in the Bible, Jezebel, the spirit of Jezebel, that's still functioning in the churches today, but God came to warn her to save her several times, and she rejected that help. So you can see no matter how far somebody goes, God always wants to save people and wants to give them chances to repent. And so God came and corrected her, and she chose not to receive that. And so God said, okay, because you're not receiving, you know, the salvation, this help, this is how you're going to die. And so, and, you know, because I've seen a lot of posts about that too, how people... Um, try to put blame on the religion for what happens to people when at the end of the day it's your choice. You know, God lets you choose if you want him to be your savior or not. If you want to go to hell or not, that's a choice. That's not a form of fear, you know, because I've seen people say that, like, you know, um, the religion is motivated by fear, and it's not. You know, even though the Bible says some people will be saved by fear because <laughs> they just don't want to go to hell. Um, but that's not how God wants to save his children. He wants you to come out of a heart of love drawing to him, you know? He wants you to be reconciled unto him out of love and out of compassion. And so God is not trying to scare anyone out of hell. He wants to love you into heaven, you know? Uh, and so we have to receive that at the end of the day, it's a choice. Deliverance is a choice. If you want to be free, it's a choice. If we as a church want to be a light in a place of healing, that's a choice. And we all have to live in, you know, according to what we say we want, amen? And so uh, you can write this down, Matthew 23, verse 26. And this, Jesus had to talk to the Pharisees um, because they were trying to come against him and his disciples for not washing their hands uh, before, you know, doing a ritual cleaning before they were eating. And Jesus' response was this, first clean the inside of the cup. <laughs> and so with deliverance, deliverance is about cleaning the inside. You know, it's not about what we look like on the outside because you, whether you know it or not, there's a lot of people that you can come across that look put together, and then on the inside, they're tormented. You know, I went to, um, you know, and it's so important that we be led by the Spirit. If you have the urge to go somewhere by the Spirit, go there. 
Um, it was one day I had planned on staying in the house, and I had the urge to go somewhere, and so I went there. Um, it was a nail salon. I went there, and it was, it was a lady. Um, she was sitting in the chair, and she was just really giving attitude to the lady that was doing her feet. And so I was just sitting there like, oh, that's crazy. I'm glad it's not me, you know. Um, but she was really, but you can tell she was just frustrated and angry. And she was just, you know, and then the manager had to come over, and she was like, you know, she was going off on both of them. Um, they still served her. She went and sat kind of like where this pole was behind me, um, drying her nails. And so I, they finished my nails and went and washed my hands and came back. And for, just out of everybody in that salon, she started talking to me. And she, and she started kind of venting, and then she was just like, and then she started to apologize. I'm just sorry for um, what that happened. She was like, my son's in the hospital. This is happening. This is happening. So we have to realize that there's people even every day that we pass that are in anger, and there's a root to that. There's a root to that. And so, you know, I just sat down with her and started talking, and I just said, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. And then she just broke down, like all the walls came down. It was a whole different person. <laughs> like, oh, where was this lady? This is not the same. <laughs> so she, you know, she really softened up and opened up because it's the power of God. It wasn't me, but it was the power of God that, that allowed her to be drawn to help. And so every day we have to realize we shouldn't have the attitude that's not my problem. You know, there's people that we come across every day. They need the power of God. They need someone to pray for them. They need someone to lay hands on them. And they don't know how to get their peace. And the power of God is that answer. And so when we see things that are out of the ordinary, we shouldn't be quick to think, you know, you know, one thought about somebody, but realize there's a root to why that person's acting like that. There's a root to why this person is treating random people like this. There's a root to that problem. And we have the answer to minister that to them. Amen? Amen. So let's look at Proverbs 14, verse 30. Proverbs 14, verse 30. We're going to move on a little fast because we've got more scriptures to get, to get in, all right? All right, Proverbs 14, verse 30. Proverbs 14, verse 30, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified Classic. So if you're taking notes, you can write that beside the scripture so you can go look back at it later. So that's Proverbs 14, verse 30. Amen. And it says, A calm and undisturbed mind and heart are the life and health of the body, but envy, jealousy, and wrath are like rottenness of the bones. And so right here, once again, God is giving us another root to a problem. You know, in the Passion, it says jealousy can make you sick. And so there's people that have sicknesses in their body, and that's why he wrote that. A lot of people think that people are in the hospital because of sicknesses. No, and even if they do have a physical sickness, it started somewhere mentally. And that's even, you can back that up with the word, and science backs that up. A lot of time when people have a poor way of thinking, it shows up in their body in different ways. And so right here, the word is showing that jealousy is a way that you can literally make your body sick, the way that you think, and that is a spirit. And that's Numbers 5, verse 30. You can write that down if you want you know, proof to go back and study that, that jealousy is a spirit. A lot of times we think that that is just a feeling. No, that's a spirit, and it comes from Satan, because why? Satan is a jealous being. He wanted everything that God had. You know, he tried to take his place. He saw what God was functioning in, he saw where he ruled and reigned, and then he came up and said, I will be this. I will take the throne. And he started giving his five I wills of what he was going to do. And so we see that jealousy is a spirit. And, you know, we all have to watch even the slang that we have nowadays. You know, there's, that's even a saying, like, oh, I'm so jealous. You got to do that? <laughs> I'm so jealous. You know, and so not, we're not really, you know, sometimes people say that they're not serious, but they're playing around. But we should even watch talking like that to one another because 
Jealousy is a spirit, just like fear. That's a spirit. That's not a motivator. I've heard, I've, I think I heard a minister talk about the one time how fear, you said it motivates you to, you know, but no, fear is not a motivator. Fear is not coming to motivate you. <laughs> fear is coming to back you down and to pull you out of the plan of God. And so we have to recognize, once again, discerning the spirits. What is a spirit? What is something that God gave us? God did not give us a spirit of fear. He didn't give us a spirit of jealousy. He didn't give us the, the spirit of lying or whatever, you know, else spirits are out there. He gave us a spirit of power and dominion. And so we see right here once again, and even James 3.16, it talks about where there's envy and strife, there's confusion. And so I've always read that scripture as like a corporate scripture, like in a church. If there's strife in a church, there's going to be confusion. But this scripture even applies for an individual. If you have strife in you, you're always going to be confused about the plan of God. And there's a lot of people that they're confused. If God's telling me to go here, if I, I'm just confused about what I'm called to do. I'm confused about this. And you have to realize there, there can be strife, and that strife can be between you and God. Or that strife can be between you and another person, but you've created a habit of living in strife. And so on the inside, every day, every choice you make, it's strife there. So you stay in confusion. Or if there's envy, once again, if there's envy in the heart, there's going to be strife there. There's going to be confusion there. So all of these roots, we have to realize, play a part in our daily life and how a life comes out overall. And so God wants us to get to the root of problems and not just put a carpet over it, not put a medication over it, not put, you know, your favorite hobby over it. You know, I saw that too. Somebody was just talking about, how do you deal with your anxiety? Oh, I just find something that I love to do. No, that's not, that's not going to, that's not getting to the root. The root of the problem is that your spiritual state. Amen. So we're going to get a little deeper. Amen. So Galatians 5.1, Galatians 5.1. Amen. Galatians 5.1. We're just laying up some things here, and we're going we're gonna to keep going, okay? Galatians 5.1, Amplified Classic is what I'm going to read from, but um, you can write this down if you do not have that version. Um, and it's always good to study, you know, read number one from the King James, because this is something I've been asked a lot, too, about studying scriptures or messages. Um, read number one from the King James, but then also find a version that you understand um, is always good, because these words are... And we're going to get to that. The wisdom of God is your safety. The wisdom that you know can deliver you, can save you. And that's what the Bible says, that the, if you, you give your attention and trust in the word, the word will lead you. It will guide you. It will reveal things to you. So it's so important that you understand what you're reading. And so that's why sometimes when I say I look at things in different translations, so I, I get what I'm reading and not just I did my reading today. You, know, you should understand what you actually read. So Galatians 5.1, it says, In this freedom, because we are free, in this freedom, Christ has made us free and completely liberated. And once again, the freedom that Christ brings is complete liberation. He's not trying to halfway save you. <laughs> He's not trying to halfway give you a sound mind. He wants to completely liberate you. And that's the great thing about Jesus. That's why he, you know, he said that no more do we have to be cleansed by the blood of lambs. Because that was something we had to keep doing. And every year, our family had, you know, a family sacrifice, an individual sacrifice, a sacrifice for this, a sacrifice for that. But he said once and for all, we, we got the sacrifice that we needed that would com completely and fully cleanse us, and that is Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus is the blood that cleansed us once and for all. So every year, we don't have to see who's going to be crucified. No, he already did it thousands of years ago. So we are completely liberated. And since we're completely liberated... We're to set other people free. We're not just to be happy with Church on the Rock being free. 
But once again, once we go out, there's people that need what we have. There's people that need what we've been preached to Sunday, Wednesday. Each week, there's people that need the answers that you have on the inside of you. So these words are to be put into action. So he says he is completely liberated as stand fast then. He's saying keep what you got. And do not be hampered and held and snared and submit again to a yoke of slavery which you have once put off. So we have the power to put off sin because of Jesus. We have the power to put off any habits that we can be struggling with. We have that power to put it off. Because, you know, the world will teach you whatever problems you have, live with it, learn how to cope with it, grow, succeed, and, you know, whatever. Um, but, no, God wants us to understand if there's something that I'm struggling with mentally or a habit, I have the power to put that off. We have the power on the inside of us to put off anything that is holding us in bondage. You know, that's why it's so important, like even substances, because I realize people don't, a lot of times when people are in substances, they don't know they're bound because they say to themselves, I can give this up anytime." No, you can't because you would have already given it up if you, if, you really, <laughs> if you really believe that, you know. And so we have to understand anything, you know, even relationships, there's soul ties, there's people that are bound to things and they can't get free. Well, they think they can't. But once again here, the Bible says that he has completely liberated us. And he says, stand up in it. You've already been free. You need to stand up in the freedom that you have. And so we have to understand what we have and what we don't have. We don't have the spirit of fear. We don't have the spirit of anxiety. We don't have the, the spirit of lying, the spirit of the world. We don't have that spirit. But he says there's a greater one on the inside of you. So when it comes to, and the Bible talks about that, he said, how, how, will a strong, you know, how can a strong man be put out unless a stronger man comes? And so the, the greater one on the inside of you is that stronger man. So there's a lot of times we're struggling with things that he said, and even in the Bible, you know, he talks about, you've delivered me from my enemies, which were too strong for me. Sometimes we are dealing with enemies and mental problems that are too strong for us. And the Bible wants us to know that the greater one in you is greater than anything that can be coming against you, anything that can be binding you, anything that's putting you to sleep. Sorrows can be putting you to sleep. Grief can be putting you to sleep. But there's a greater one to put that off, you know? Whatever we can be struggling with, and we think that I'll have to be like this all my life. I have to carry this habit, this addiction into my 70s. And No, there's a greater one that's, that wants to come alive in your life. There's a greater one on the inside of you that wants to be put in effect. And we have to let him comfort us. We have to let him be our savior. You know, God wants to be our all in all, but we have to let him be that. There's a lot of times people won't let themselves be comforted. They want to, you know, rehearse, you know, what's been done to them. They want to rehearse the wrong that's been done to them, but we have to let God be our healer. We have to let him be our deliverer. We have to let him be the answer for our generation. But he can't be that answer if we keep hiding it. Every time we, we meet somebody that we see, you're <laughs> trying the other eye, I didn't see that happening. No, we have to let, let him be the answer everywhere we go, which means we have to present it. We can't hide what we have. God wants to be used. He wants to be talked about. The more you talk about him, the more he'll show up. Whatever you spend your time talking about is what is going to be magnifying your day. If you realize negative people, they always talk about, even, and it could be something good that happened to them in that day, but they won't tell you about that. <laughs> They're going to tell you about the bad things that happened because that's just their flow. And so we have to realize whatever we talk about, whatever we magnify in our mind, that's how our life is going to look, and it's going to feel like that. So we have to let him be a big God. He's a big God. We have to magnify him. We have to talk about him. Share your testimonies. You never know 
you know, once again, you can't judge people by what they look like. That lady in that salon looked like a real well put together lady. Inside, she was waiting for someone to, to just pray for her about what she was going through. So we have to present the answer to people that, once again, we look at them, they're fine. No, they're not. And we have to be that, that person that presents it. Amen? Amen? All right, let's keep going. Romans 1, 25 through 29. Romans 1, 25 through 29. Romans 1, 25 through, uh, Romans 1, 25 through 29. And, um, you know, going now, I w- we're going to go into a, a different direction here because with, we're still staying in deliverance, but we're the, you know, in, in Dr. Jacob's book, one thing that he pointed out that the number one objective of demons is to keep you from knowing God. And like we said at the beginning, that's the freedom, that's the answer, knowing him as your savior and deliverer. And so every day, it's not even bad things that can happen to you, but it can just be a busy day that tries to keep you from knowing him in the day. And so even the people in the world, there is um, powers that are trying to keep them blinded from knowing God as the, our Lord and Savior. And so it's our job to remove the blinders, to, to go out there to preach the gospel, to minister it, because there's a power working against what the word is preaching but the word is greater. The word will always prevail. Wherever it's preached boldly, it, it will always prevail. And you can't be timid about ministering to people. Once again, I, every, you know, I think Dr. Jacob said, if we, he went around the room, who, how many people deliver somebody this year? If we you know, looked around. But we're not doing that because we're, you know, we're preaching about what we're going to move into, not our past. Amen? Anytime we preach about something, it's not to bash you about your past. It's about the choices we were going to make from now on. Okay? And so Romans 1, 25 through 29. This is some good stuff right here. This is the Passion Translation, okay? It says, all because they traded the truth of God for a lie. So that's a choice. When you hear about God, do you hold on to that? Do you cherish it? Like Mary, it said that she cherished when the angel came and preached to her about what her son was going to be. It said she hid it in her heart and treasured it. But he's talking about people, they hear the truth, but they trade it for a lie. That I choose not to believe that about him. I choose not to believe that he's still a healer during COVID. I choose not to believe that he's still a deliverer during a very time, (laughs) mental illness time. You get to trade and choose what you want to hold on to and believe. But right here it's saying these people, they traded the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served the things of God rather than the God who made all things. Glory and praise to him forever and ever. Amen. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them over to their own disgraceful and vile passions. And I, and the, I think in the King James it says he, he allowed them to have a reprobate mind. And that word reprobate, it means really good for nothing. A mind that does not think on God cannot be used for anything in the kingdom. So to have a mind that is, even if you're smart, <laughs> to have a mind that is not stayed on him, it's good for nothing. Because guess what? The knowledge of this world, it's all going to pass away. And the only thing that's going to remain are the souls of people that are going to heaven or hell. So if I can be smart and have all the accolades that I want in life, but I do not know him, that's a reprobate mind. You can have all the degrees that you want, but if you do not know him and his power, that's a reprobate mind. And so he says he gave them over, inflamed with lust for one another. Men and women ignored the natural order and exchanged normal sexual relationships for homosexuality. Women engaged in lesbian conduct and men committed shameful acts with men, receiving in themselves a due penalty for their uh, deviation. 
Verse 26, and because they thought it was worthless to embrace the true knowledge of God. Once again, that's their number one objective is to keep people from knowing him, the true knowledge of God. And not the knowledge that this world wants to present about God because this world wants to make you think God is a she, God is this, God is that. No, there's only, true, there's only one true knowledge of God, and we cannot let the world preach to us who God is because they will twist it to fit the generation. And so he's saying they, they traded the true knowledge of who God was for a lie. They want to believe that God is a she <laughs> for whatever reason. They want to believe that God is, is this race, a certain race, for a reason. God is a spirit. He's, he doesn't have a race. And so, but there's people that want to fit God to fit their generation, their culture, the way they live, the way they think. And he says, we have to, as his children, we have to embrace who he really is. We are not to change the image of God and who, to who we are, but we are to become the image that he is. And so we have to know who he is. And it says God gave them over to a worthless mindset to break all rules of proper conduct. Verse 29, their sinful lives became full of every kind of evil, wicked schemes, greed, and cruelty. Their hearts overflowed with jealous cravings. Once again, that's a spirit. With conflict and strife, which drove them into hateful arguments and murder. They are deceitful liars full of hostility. They gossip. And so all these things are, are signs of someone's whose mind is not on Christ. And so a mind that chooses to trade the truth of who God is is a mind that will be open game for any of these things, these things listed here. And so God wants a generation, you know, looking back at the Old Testament, that's why, you know, in Noah's day, he said there was not one good thought that when he looked into the earth, there was not one good thought. But that's why we're so blessed in this new covenant. He said, I've given you the mind of Christ. And then he tells us what to think on. Think on these things. Think on what is true. Think on what is lovely. Think on what's kind. Think on the praises. Think on the testimonies. Think on what you've seen God do, what you've heard him say. That kind of mind will be a mind that's protected. So we have to realize the world is going to show you what to think about. Social media will show you what to think about. The news will show you what to think about. But as his children, we should be thinking about what is lovely, what is true, what is righteous, what is kind. And that way, if we're thinking on that, we can live it out. So the next passage, 2 Corinthians 10.5. 2 Corinthians 10.5. Amen. You know, with deliverance, you have to have the knowledge of God. You have to know who God is. You have to know what he will and what he won't do. You know, because once again, even in this time, there's a lot of people that are trying to preach another God, a God that is um, malicious, a God that wants to do bad to you. That's not the true knowledge of God. And you, why, you know, we have to quit trading what is the truth about him for a lie because it fits, it makes more sense why they went to heaven, why they died. If I believe that God wanted a new rose in heaven. And, you know, no, we, we have to quit trading the truth for a lie. And so 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy. So we have the power to control what we think. We don't have to think bad. We don't have to think mad. We don't have to think wrong. We have the power. It says we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that raises up in defiance. And what is it coming against? The true knowledge of God. So we see in these scriptures, they're coming, all these spirits are trying to come against the true identity of who God is. It's trying to come against who our God is. It's trying to change that he's no longer a healer. He'll heal sometimes, maybe not. 
He'll deliver sometimes if you're his favorite. You know, it's trying to change up who God is. And so it's coming, uh, it says it's rising up in defiance against the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist it to bow in obedience to the anointed one, Christ. And in the Passion, it says, uh, no, I'm sorry, the Amplified, it says we destroy sophisticated arguments. Because this world is getting really sophisticated with their arguments. <laughs> it's getting really, it's, it's making sense, you know, to the natural mind. Um, but it's saying we have the power to destroy every sophisticated argument. They can have different backups. They can have, if you read this book and it will show you. No, the power of God will always be greater than any sophisticated argument. The anointing is always greater than any sophisticated argument. And that's why we have to walk in that, that anointing. Once again, in our prophecy, it talks about there's an anointing on this church. There's a great anointing upon this church. There's a fire of God upon this church. And the church is you all. There's a fire in you. And that fire wants to be put to use if you let it. There's an anointing on every single one of you all to work, to destroy the yokes. And that's what the anointing is for. It's not to cope with the yokes, not to be sitting beside the person with demonic influences and to become best friends with them. No, that anointing in you is to destroy the yokes. And so we have to quit befriending people that need our help. You know, I remember going through that, you know, in that, that mindset when I was like in high school and college. And God showed me one day, I was in a box and I was with, and it was certain people that I used to fellowship with back then. And we were all like chained up, sitting down. And then God showed me the, the back side of me and I had a key in my pocket. And God was showing me at any moment, you're really free. <laughs> you're just acting like you're, you're, because you've been raised a different way. <laughs> you know, because I was raised and I knew this word from the beginning. But because I wanted to fit in, I don't know that scripture. You know, you try to, you just try to fit in. And, and he was showing me, you know, you know the answer to set yourself free. You know the answer to help those that are, are fellowshipping with you. But we, so we have to quit sitting in bondage with people and we know how to be free. We have to quit sitting with people with yokes upon them. And all along you have the anointing on the inside of you that breaks the yoke. And so as a church, we have to rise up and not be ashamed. We have to quit being timid. God didn't say that he, he <laughs> Jesus is the, is the line of the tribe of Judah. And it, he, that greater one is on the inside of you. We are, we are bolder than we realize if we let out the anointing and let out the words that God wants to speak. He said he's even graced us to speak words in time and season to people that need it. And so we have to be bold about what is in you. Be bold about what you've been preached day in and day out. Be bold about what you've been reading. And God wants to minister that wherever you go. He's not giving us these words just so we can look cute in here and read this. He wants, he, these were, revival is real. The, the move of God is real and he wants it activated, but he, he, he has chosen to work and move with man. He's chosen to move with us. So we have to let him be co-labors, be co-labors with him. We have to move with him, amen? And so still looking at this, this passage, um, I think that was, yeah, Kenneth Hagin. He said, believers have given access to the devil by a lack of knowledge of God's word. Hosea 4, 6 says that. My people perish. For what? A lack of knowledge. And it's not any kind of knowledge. It's the knowledge of God. Because we can, we can be attacked even financially and not understanding. He became poor that you be rich. And so all along, we have the answers. We have the power working for us. And so... People are being destroyed by a lack of who they really are, mm -hmm. you know, and that was something that helped me. Once again, I, I was talking to somebody young and they were talking about how do you get out of, they were struggling with some habits 
And I was like, one thing I had to realize is who I was in Christ. Because if you understand who you are, you will no longer act like something you're not, you know? You know, even with the prodigal son, it said when he came to his right mind, that's when he went back to his father. He said he was eating at a trough and he realized, hey, my father is rich. And <laughs> even if I went back to serve him, I, I, you know, even the servants are living better than this. But his deliverance didn't come until he came back to the right mind. And so we have to get back in the right mind of who we are in Christ and realize, hey, my father is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And I have to realize that, that I am, I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And so we have to understand our identity of who we are in Christ and quit living like we've been told to live. Quit living like we've been, you know, our finances say we're supposed to live. That we have to look at the word and understand our identity and who we are in Christ. Amen. Amen. And just write this down, Ecclesiastes 4.14. This is what I read at the beginning. And this is the amplified version. It says, even though the youth comes out of prison to reign, that is the wrong verse. Um, let me see. Okay, I didn't put it on here, but I remember it. Uh, in the amplified, regular amplified, it talks about how the youth came out of prison. It said, by his knowledge, he came out to reign. And so we see that, that passage, it's about Jesus that by knowledge, Jesus came out to reign. Jesus didn't deliver just because he was the son of God. The Bible talks about how him as a child, it said he was in the synagogues. He grew in grace. He grew in wisdom. So Jesus became our Lord and Savior, not just because he came down from heaven, but Jesus even put in the work to know his own father while he was in the earth. So it said that Jesus grew in wisdom. And so it says he came out by the knowledge, that's how he came out of, the, of hell. Because you know what he was quoting down there in, in Psalms? It said that, I know you won't forsake me here. What delivered him was what he knew about his father. I know my father will not leave me here. I know my father will not forsake me. That whatever situation you're going through, whatever circumstances you might be in, you have to understand who your father is in that circumstance. And by knowledge, you'll come out reigning. So it's by knowledge we come out to rule and to reign. And so once again, you have to know who your God is in this generation. He's still the same God. He's still the God that deserves all the glory, all the honor. He's still a God that saves. He's still a God that is prospering his church. He's still that God. And so we have to remind ourselves, I know he will not forsake me in what season I'm in. I know he will not forsake me and what I'm struggling with mentally. I know he won't forsake me in what I'm experiencing in my body. I know he won't forsake me in any situation, whether it be relationships, family members, that he will not forsake me here. And it's by what you know you come out. And so Jesus, Jesus, even on the cross, he knew something. Even when they were, were cussing at him, they said, they said he ripped, they ripped his beard out. That's crazy to me. That's like over, that's over the top. Everything they did him was over the top. But it said when he was up there, he forgave them. To forgive, you have to know something. <laughs> you have to know something. To walk in forgiveness, you have to know something. And so it's by knowledge you come out. And it's not any kind of knowledge but the knowledge of God that we stay free and that we're able to help those that are in bondage. Because why are they in bondage? He said forgive them because they what? They know not what they do. They were in ignorance. <laughs> they didn't know that they were persecuting their own Savior. They didn't know they were spitting on and mocking their own Savior. They didn't know it, you know, but that was part of God's plan because that's what he said. If they knew what they were doing, 
It says, it's talking about the princes of this world. It said if they knew what the plan of God was, that would have never happened. And so we have to understand the world is in ignorance of who the creator of this whole planet is. <laughs> They're in ignorance. And it's our job to bring them back into the knowledge of Christ. And it's our job to stay in the knowledge of God and not tweak what we know about our God and not change what we know. Because when we do that, we see that our mind is given over to a different kind of spirit. What you give your mind to is a spirit that you'll flow from. Amen. Last scripture, James 1.21. James 1.21. Karina asked me to get you guys out of here early, but I'm not going to explain. <laughs> Galatians 1, I mean, sorry, James 1, verse 21 through 25. James 1.21 through 25. Amen. James 1, 21 through 25. Amen. And this is the passion. And it says, so this is why we abandon every morally impure in all forms of wicked conducts. Over and over, the Bible tells us what we're to forsake, what we're to lay down. He says, lay down every weight, set aside, resist, flee from sexual immorality. He tells you what to flee, what to leave from, and he tells you what to run to. That's a great thing about God um, is he tells you what to do. You know, he gives you, he gives you the answer. So you don't have to guess, do I, am I supposed to accept this? Or No, he tells you what you are to reject in life, what you're not to receive. You're not to receive words that, come, that condemn who you are. You're not to receive those thoughts. And so we have to understand, what am I to receive? Good thoughts about yourself. Any thought that comes to you to tear you down of how you're not good enough or you can't do this or that you're bad, those are not thoughts from God. And so he lets us know that we're to abandon you know, even where he talks about we became new creatures in Christ Jesus, he tells you, pick up the, the new man, lay down the old man, lay down that nature, lay down the timidness of that old man and pick up the new man and start running with Christ. And so we'll keep reading. It says, instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature. For the word of life has power to continually deliver us. And that's a great thing. Our deliverance is not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. Every day you wake up, you're delivered from something you didn't know you were delivered from. You know, even, <laughs> I, I, I even think about that. Sometimes you don't even know your, your true lineage and heritage of your family um, or even mental illnesses that were in your family or things that your family has struggled with. And so we have to realize that our deliverance is generation after generation. Our deliverance is every day that we wake up, there's brand new mercies, there's, there's a new day. So God is continually to deliver you. Deliverance is not just if you have some type of um, addiction, because sometimes people think, I don't need to know about deliverance, I'm fine. No, you don't know there's things you've been delivered from, <laughs> and you don't know it. He says, I've delivered you from danger, seen and unseen. So deliverance is something we all need every day. Nobody is above deliverance. Nobody's too perfect for deliverance. Deliverance is something we all need every day. And every day we have deliverance. You know, that's why he said, I've prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Guess what's on that table? Deliverance. <laughs> and he said, every day I give you, he's, and that's why the prayer, when he, he showed them the prayer, that there's a daily bread. Guess what that daily bread is? Deliverance. And that's what he told the lady. He said, this is the children's bread. And the lady was trying to get her, her daughter healed, and she was not of the right nationality at that time. 
And he said this is a children's bird, but he, she said even the dogs would get crumbs off the table. <laughs> and so we have to realize that the deliverance is your daily bread. Deliverance is at the table that's in front of your enemy. So the enemies that are trying to constantly ensnare you and talk down to you are the enemies that have to watch you receive your deliverance every day. Amen. That every day that there's the enemies trying to get you onto the wrong path, trying to ensnare you and entrap you, but at the table there's prepared deliverance every day. So deliverance is a continual thing. And so he says this word has the power to deliver us every day. Everybody hold, hold up your Bibles. If it's on your phone, hold up your Bibles. Every day, those books have the power, the words of life that deliver you every day. So every day that we should pick this up, this is your deliverance. You feel bound. You feel overwhelmed. I just feel, oh, my God. That's the word that has the power. The word is alive. It's quick. So even right now while we're reading this word, there's deliverance coming. There's, there's, there's deliverance even from things in advance that the devil's already planned for you. Because we know this now, there's deliverance. He says, I've already prepared a way of an escape for you. The escape is the word of God. The escape is the knowledge of him. And so every day we have freedom. That we don't have to every day bow to the things of this world. You know, even Meshach, Reshach, and Abednego. They understand, I, didn't ha I don't have to bow to this, this, this image that you created for me. You know, even when they try to, you know, even um, bully them into bowing. The, the spirits of this world will even try to bully you, even to go in with the things of this world. And you, we have to stand up and understand, no, there's a greater one on the inside of me. And so when they got up there, the king tried to intimidate them again. He turned it up ten times hotter. The people that did it died. They even got burnt. And, you know, then they put him in there. And that's why he said, uh, what was that song? There was another in the fire. I like that song. There was an, I'm not going to sing it. But there, it talks about <laughs> how there was another one in the fire. And so we have to understand, once again, whatever we're going through, there's another one there with you. And he's the one that will never leave you nor forsake you where you are. So every day there is deliverance because the deliverer is where? He's inside you. He's around you. He's behind you. He's before you. He's all around you. <laughs> He, he is your deliverer. He can't leave you. You know, I think Dr. Rogan talk, gave, gave that quote about from Kenneth Copeland. For God to stop healing and delivering, he would have to change his covenant names. That he's in covenant with us. We're in covenant with the Most High God. And so he cannot back out on us. He can't hide from us. He can't hide from our situations or what's coming up against us. That every day there's deliverance, and we have to put faith in that. That every day there's deliverance, and I receive it at my table. And let's keep reading. Verse 22. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for it is the essence of de uh, that is the essence of self-deception. So always let the word become like poetry written and fulfill your, by your life. Verse 23. If you listen to the word and don't live it out, don't live out the message you hear. You become like a person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning, in verse 24, you perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word of God, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. So he's saying a person that continually just hears the word, they read their Bible, but they don't act on it, is a person that they begin to see who they are in Christ, and then they forget it. They begin to see who God created them from the beginning, and then they walk away. So when we read the word, it's so that we can renew our mind. That's how we renew our mind, is by the word of God. That's how we increase and cleanse. You know, your faith is even purified by the reading of the word, by the word being preached. Actually, let me correct myself. It's by the word being preached. It's how faith comes. 
and by the reading of the word is how your mind is renewed. And so right here he's saying somebody that can get all the word, they can be in all the meetings, all the messages, they don't act on it. You're like a person that you see who you are, then you go out and act like someone else. And so let's keep reading. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth. They hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all they do. So where does your strength come from? It was all right. Everything else. <laughs> Number for real. I heard all those things. It was all right. But this passage right here is saying your strength comes from doing the word. Doing it. Not just hearing it, but doing it. Because there's a lot of people that they're, they, they get preached to. They hear the word. I just still feel weak. I still. It's because you're not doing. You're not doing it. And deliverance comes by doing the word. That's a way to stay free that I don't just hear the word. I don't just pet the word, play with it. No, but I actually do the word. And so... For us, once again, as a church to stay free, we have to be doers of the word. When we come to church, we should be coming to hear what we're to do. A lot of times people show up just because it's church. They just show up to hear, and then they, they decide when they hear the word if I want to do it or not. No, when we're, especially when we're coming straight from Scripture, your heart should already be that, Father, I want to do what the word says. I'm not trying to pick and choose what Scriptures apply to me and what I want to do, but I should be in the mindset that I'm coming to hear what I'm to do. I'm coming to hear what the assignment is for this church. I'm coming to hear what we've been anointed to do. And so all of us in here, we've been anointed to lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. We've been anointed to preach the gospel to the prisoners, to heal the brokenhearted. We've been anointed to do that. And so once we hear what we've been anointed to do, we're to do it, and not just walk past the people that we know we have the answer for, or not just to sit quiet in the conversations we know we have the answers for. Amen. Well, stand to your feet.